Most of the time, the owner goes, I can't be anything but the owner because I'm the owner, right? Well, the reality is I, I've coached several companies where the owner is actually just a sales guy. I, I ask most people, you know, why do you exist? And that's usually the first, like, start with what's your purpose? You'll hear either one of those. And uh, most people don't know. Like 99% of the people I ask that question, they don't know the answer to. And the other 1% are just lying to themselves or just making or making up an answer. <laughs> Are you interested in getting your life off the ground? Are you interested in really getting to know yourself so that you could see what your strengths, what your weaknesses are? And are you interested in really getting your business acumen and business level to the next level? You're going to want to listen to this podcast. Super surprising at how great it really was. It's Jim Johnson. He's a contractor coach pro. Where I get along with him most is he's a coach first, and that's what he's good at. I've been a coach for more than half of my life, and we could really relate on that aspect, but I left this interview really on him and on his methods and on his teaching and on his knowledge that he teaches other contractors throughout the country where it all starts with you. It all starts with who are you, what are you about, why are you here, what is your purpose, and by figuring that out first, then you go on to uh, really growing your business to the next level. And that's what this podcast is all about. One of my favorite episodes yet, really, really phenomenal. And I'm excited because we really connected. He's even going to be a speaker at one of our events. So you're going to want to watch this guy. You're going to want to listen to this guy. You're going to want to follow this guy and really get to know him as much as you can and come meet him in Dallas as well. Really, really great guy. Really great interview. You're going to enjoy this and we're keeping it very uh, valuable and to the point. So it's just 40 minutes of just straight fire. So I hope you enjoy this interview with the man, Jim Johnson, the contractor coach pro. Welcome to the Claims Game Podcast with Vince Perry. Get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level. And now the commercial claims advocate, Vince Perry. Okay, 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 okay. I have to say, I am extremely excited about this episode of the Claims Game Podcast because I'm with somebody, believe it or not, Jim, believe it or not, I've been following you for quite a while now. I've seen your stuff, not to be mistaken for stalking, okay? But I know you're doing some amazing stuff in the contracting coach industry and I'm super, super excited to have you on. We've got the contractor coach himself from Contractor Coach Pro, Mr. Jim Johnson. Jim, thank you so much for coming on. I had been looking for an accountant for years and I was unable to find anybody that I liked, that I worked with and was able to do what I needed to be done to my taxes and to my accountant. Jeremy David at Noble Wealth has been a godsend to me, my family and my company. We have saved so much money in taxes I can't even begin to describe and he knows what he's doing. You need to call Jeremy at Noble Wealth and get yourself the right accountant because he's the man who's going to help you save on taxes because ultimately you don't want to be making money, especially if you're self-employed and having it all go to the IRS. Call Jeremy, call Noble Wealth, and they will help you tremendously with the entire accounting process and your tax situation from A to Z. Everybody needs an attorney on their side. So whether you're a public adjuster, a contractor, or anyone else in the insurance claims business, make sure that you have an attorney that you could rely on, that you can go to for questions whenever you need it. That guy for me for the last 12 years has been David Farber. David Farber is the owner of the Farber Law Firm, and he has been there for me from the beginning of my career until now. And I would 
love for him to be able to help you as well. So make sure you call him at this number here and visit his website so you can learn more about the amazing David Farber of the Farber Law Firm. Additional living expenses is one of the most difficult parts of an insurance claim. And the reason is, is it's very high pressure. And as a public adjuster or contractor, you're already dealing with the negotiating of the build back process. You don't want to have to deal with ALE as well. Black Diamond Housing Services does all of that. They don't even charge the client. They bill it directly to the insurance company. It's all covered under the ALE coverage. So you need to call Black Diamond if you have a house that has been severely lost, whether it's like severe mold, severe water, fire, anything like that, where they need a place to stay. Call Black Diamond Housing Services and they'll be able to take care of your client from beginning to end. It's not an event. I really, I enjoy doing these podcasts. Uh, it, you know, it gets outside of our reach and following and we get to share with others. So uh, we, we try to get back to this industry. So whatever I can do to help, uh, let's do it. I'm more excited to have you on because although we don't know each other very well, I know that we have a lot in common. And the reason is, is because we're both coaches and we've been coaches for a long time. And I think we're going to have a very cool conversation. And I want to get right down to the nitty gritty. I want you to tell us real quick about who you are and what you do. And I want to really get to talk about people and what people are all about and how to bring the best out of people. But who are you, Jim? And what are you all about, my friend? Uh, that's a, that's a good question. Cause I don't think a lot of people think about that quite like asking me that question. You would think the response would be, Hey, we're a coach of contractors. And I would go into my normal like elevator speech about what it is that we do, but the real who I am is more important than that. I think that, you know, I'm, I'm a man of faith. Number one, uh, number two, I am a coach. I'm a person that inherently sees where I can help others achieve more by providing them guidance, advice, information, knowledge, purpose, a bunch of different things, inspire them to do more than they may do on their own. And that's who I am. And uh, it's funny, I didn't know that for a long time. Uh, I actually got some help with that and wasn't intended help. So uh, I think more people should ask themselves that question, who are you? Before I get into, I in my head, I'm just like, oh, I just want to start this conversation because I have so much in common with you because I feel the same way. I, I could have answered that question the exact same way, but let's talk about people. What brings out the best in people? How can we help people figure out who they are and what they're best at? What are some of the things that you implement in your program and in just in your everyday life as a, as a coach to do that? And I can share some of my experiences as well. It's actually the first thing we do with our clients. Um, we help them start to identify their dream, this thing that they're really after, not necessarily what they initially come to us for. Uh, so the top two things we hear people come to us for is, hey, help me recruit and hire a bunch of people. That's number one. Uh, number two is I want to be a $100 million contractor. And we're like, why? Why do you want to do those things and be those things? And are you really prepared for what that's going to take to do that, the sacrifice and everything that goes along with it? Because we know what it takes to get there and we can certainly help you, but there's, uh, depending on your timeline, there's some pretty serious investment. And so we start to ask them what, you know, if you were to achieve those things, what would they give you, right? Like what would it give you? And it's usually something about some financial peace, um, maybe some freedom. We're like, so really a hundred million dollars is where you find freedom. That's quite a bit of money to be honest with you. So, uh, you know, is it something that, that number that you're throwing out there has some kind of reason behind it. Is there some achievement or something like along those lines? Everybody has different answers to that. Whenever you start asking them and, and really what we should be looking at is what are we doing when we have the most joy, regardless of money, 
Like take money out of the equation. What's the one thing that you're doing where you have the most joy? You do it for free. And um, the way I, I learned that was after I resigned from Aculinx. Um, Aculinx software for contractors. You can go look them up. But I was their director of uh, sales for the first five years. Kind of my job to get them off the ground. I think I did an okay job. And uh, I resigned uh, because I was feeling unfulfilled, I guess is the best way to put it. Flew home. My grandfather had gone into the hospital that day. I drove straight from the airport to the hospital. He's the most important human being on on the planet to me besides my wife and kids. And I spent the next three months with him before he passed. And uh, he goes, so what are you going to do now? I said, I'll be honest with you, I don't know. First time ever that I've left something not knowing what the next thing was going to be. And I was like, you know, I think I'm just going to retire. (laughs) <laughs> just take it. I mean, I've worked hard. Uh, 80, 80 hour weeks are pretty normal for me. And uh, I think I'm going to go golf and fish. He goes, eh, that'll last about a week. Um, well, what do you love? And I went, you know, it's funny. I, I, I love basketball. I love coaching basketball. Yeah. You know, I want to be a, I want to be a college basketball coach. I'm going to go pursue that. He starts laughing. He's like, hey, man, you're 42 years old. You know, that's not when people normally start that track. Um, what is it really? Is it the basketball or the coaching? And that hit me pretty hard. It's like, hmm, no, I haven't really thought about it that way. I like basketball the best of all the sports, even though I was better at baseball. Um, why basketball? I like the speed of the game. I like uh, the competition. I like the quick thought. I like the amount of athleticism it takes um, all the time, the challenge that's there. And uh, these skills that you learn, if you master them, you can take advantage of your opponent, right? And especially whenever you start to scheme things well with a team that works together. And when, but that's not just basketball. There's more to it. Like I coach lots of things, basketball, baseball, football, sales teams, leadership teams, corporate executives, and all of them have that same core thing of um, there's some challenge there, fundamental skills, strategy, execute, win. And so um, I came back to the next day. I said, you know what? It's not the basketball. It's the coaching. I really enjoy that. He goes, well, what are you great at? What are you better at than anybody else out there? I said, well, I don't know if I'm better than anybody else, but I'm pretty darn good at this contracting thing. And he's like, well, why don't you coach that? So it was actually his idea. And he knew who I was more than I knew who I was. I thought I was, I don't know, a professional sales guy and entrepreneur. But the reality is I'm a coach. That's that's who I am. And if I get to do that every day, I feel very fulfilled in doing what I'm doing because I see the results for who I'm coaching. Because it's not about, you know, whatever I get out of it. I, I do get joy out of it, but, um, you know, I'm not, if you want to make money, don't go be a, a, a coach. Like that's not thing. Go be a contractor, a PA, an attorney. One of those. You know, that's a, those are big money things. Coaching isn't uh, all it's cracked up to be. It seems glamorous, but uh, it's it's not that. Um, you know, I coached for free for many years, uh, little kids all the way up into uh, high school and into college. And looking back now, I'm like, man, I did that stuff for free. Now I get to do it and I get paid for it. This is even wow, you know, best thing in the world. So for people to figure out who they are, they got to ask themselves, what do I love doing regardless of money? That's the first thing. Then if you actually understand what that is, then what does your life need to look like to facilitate that? So um, my life, 
I didn't want to work 80 hours a week anymore. And I wanted to help a few people. That was actually the game plan. I was going to work in the mornings, coach about four companies, and then take off and go golf and fish in the afternoon. Little did I realize a lot more people needed our services than I thought. And word got out that we did a pretty good job. And um, uh, I got busy and busy and busy and busy. And to the point that I couldn't handle anymore, I had to start hiring some other coaches. And it became a business, but a fulfilling one. Um, so. I had to understand what my life needed to look like in order for me to be who I was intended to be. And then finally, the third part is what does your business need to look like? So it's, well, what are you intended to be? What does your life need to look like to live as who you're intended to be? And finally, what does your business need to look like to live as you want to live according to who you're intended to be? That's the simple part of it. I think a lot uh. of people should ask those, themselves those questions. Say that again. Can you repeat that last thing? Sure. So um, in order to live as who you were intended to be, you have to decide what your life needs to look like to live that, that way. And then what your business needs to look like to have that life so that you can be who you were intended to be. So what do you say to the people who are just like, I don't, I don't know what that looks like. I can't quite visualize that yet. You know, what is, what does that look like? You know, it's hard to visualize something like that. Um, we, we do that as a dream exercise. I think most people are that way. I, I ask most people, you know, why do you exist? And that's usually the first like start or what's your purpose. You'll hear either one of those. And uh, most people don't know, like 99% of the people I ask that question, they don't know the answer to. And the other 1% are just lying to themselves. They're just making or making up an answer. <laughs> No, I, th I think there's, I think there's a few deep thinkers out there. A few people that go, Hey, you know, I, I want, I mean, I see it today. Uh, this whole pandemic thing changed the world and you see people doing actually something they enjoy doing. It seems like um, out there a little bit more often than they used to, but most people don't know uh, why they exist, what their purpose is, what they're, what they're going to do while they're here for 80 or so years. I mean, is it just to make it to the next day and survive? Or are you here to thrive? Are you here to impact others? Um, what does that look like? Because once we figure out who we are, then we can figure out all of our why and all the other good stuff. Um, but I don't know how many times I thought my why was a particular thing because the outside world kind of tells you what those things are. You know, you need the big house and all the cars and the fancy trucks and all that stuff. That's kind of thing number one. Um, nope, didn't feel fulfilled. Uh, then you need a big business and you need to be recognized for how awesome that business is and win awards and all that other stuff and did all that. And nope, still not fulfilled. And so the whys were not necessarily focused on who I was or what I was about. You know what I find interesting about your whole story about your father? Was it your father? I'm sorry, your grandfather? Grandfather. grandfather. You said you were 42. Mm -hmm. So did you not really get your why? Even though maybe you thought you did, but did you now looking back in hindsight, do you feel that you really truly didn't understand your why until after you were 40 years old? No. Um, something happened earlier than that. Um, about the time I was, I think, 32, 10 years before that, um, I had had a very successful business. Um, our, our contracting business did $25, $30 million a year. Large staff, multiple locations, well-oiled machine, kind of ran on its own type of deal. That's kind of my specialty in the world is like, how do I get this thing working for me instead of me working for it? 
And um, I had a bookkeeper steal 585 gram because I was not paying attention to things and trusting people a little too much uh, that we were all on the same page. And, uh, you know, that's pretty devastating. You, know, you think you have this and you don't have this and affected the business and we lost people. I lost another partner that was my best friend. And uh, I can remember sitting on the steps of my log house in Wisconsin. Um, imagine like a ski lodge is what it looked like. Um, sports cars in the driveway, big trucks in the driveway, boats in the garage, um, every ATV you could imagine, 35 acres, had like a entire archery course with multi 25 different targets that each targets like two grand a piece. Cause they were so real looking. And, uh, I hadn't used that in a year and I hadn't used the boat and, you know, I didn't even know how long and they're collecting dust. And I can remember going, hey, God, what am I doing wrong here? Like, I thought this is what I was all about. Go get all these things and prove to everybody, uh, that you could, uh, do what everybody said you can't do. And I hear that a lot too. Go prove your haters wrong. Uh, you're listening to them. Um, who cares what they think? Um, and and through that prayer, um, I, I'm not the type of person that has, you know, God talking, oh, Jim, go do this. Like, I, I'm not in that vein for whatever reason. I don't know if maybe I'm just not tight enough in my relationship. But uh, I did hear a word, right? And that word was to serve. And what I realized, I wasn't serving anyone else. I was being selfish. Everything was about me. Get the stuff, do the thing, look at me. And I went, okay. And the next day I walked in the office and I was like, hey, how do I help you? What can I do to make your job easier? What can I do to make your life easier? And everybody looked at me like I had a, a horn growing out of my forehead. Like, who is this guy? And it took a little while. So that was the first step, like uh, um, a little bit of an awakening to what this is all about on this planet. Um, it's not about um, what we can gain or gather or achieve necessarily because that'll all be dust someday it's about what can you what can you serve and selflessly give uh to others and it was it was wild because that was so opposite of my nature just 100 percent opposite but um through being consistent with it and disciplined to that attitude um it was amazing how much opportunity presented itself it was pretty wild um, so I'm a believer. <laughs> All right. Uh, however I can give back and do that like this. I don't have to be on your podcast today. I'm not getting paid to be here or anything like that. You asked. And when I'm asked, I give. And hopefully if there's just one person out there listening today, that something I say impacts them to uh, move a little bit forward in their life is worth it. You mentioned serve. I think serve is a, is a very common, it's a very common term that you tend to hear with people who are, um, you know, in the industry, in, in what we're doing, or or I would say people who are, who feel self-fulfilled, people who are doing sort of what they feel that they're here uh, and their purpose is to do. And a lot of times it comes back to serving. Um, yet we work in an industry and the contracting claims, uh, uh, business entrepreneur industry, where like we were talking about, it's really all about getting after to the seven and the eight figure uh, businesses and selling it off and and having all the stuff that you're saying. But every time you hear people speak, uh, especially those who are 
I would say at the at the echelon, right at the top, it's it's a lot of times you you tend to hear that word, you tend to hear serve, where it's people who found out that it's not about the tens and the millions of dollars and how successful my company is and whether I can sell that company and buy another one and buy all these houses and buy all these different things, invest in real estate and multifamily and all these different things that they have. A lot of it comes down to to being able to serve. And I just I just think it's interesting that you said that word because it's it's it tends to be a common trend that I see in very successful people who who their their purpose is to really give back. So I thought I found that interesting. Well <laughs> When we die, I don't know anybody that goes, man, that dude had a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Like they, they don't go, oh man, he had neat cars and he had a plane and he had stuff like that. And there you go. Either, and, and just either he was an ass or he was a good person. Um, I'm going to shoot for good person. And that's the one I want to go for. Cause I, I was enough of an ass for a long time. Uh, needed to change that. What do you find is a common your common, I'm sure you have all types of different kinds of clients and different people who who are in need of your services. But what do you, what do you find is a common trend in this industry? That's I would say, I don't know if I want to say is like is like a poison. Um, who did I see? I saw something on social media today where he was reaching out to other business owners and literally going out there and saying, "Are you depressed? Do you feel like you're depressed? I'd like to find a way to help." you know, message me, get together with other business owners, talk to me if you have to. I thought it was pretty cool what he was doing. And I guess that sort of leads me to my question. You know, what what kind of issues do you find with people who are come to you saying, Jim, I need your help. I need you. Is it mostly business related? Like I need more salespeople. I need more revenue. I need more of this. Or am I getting too deep on this? Because you started it. Is it people no, no. who are in need of like help of like, I need some life coaching too, man. Um, there is some of that for sure. Um, it's not really what they come to us for in most cases. Um, they come because they're stuck. Uh, you think about our industry, pretty easy entry. Uh, you, you don't even have to have like a GED or a high school diploma. I mean, you can just simply go get a business license. Not that hard to figure that out on the internet. Um, hammer in a truck and you're a contractor all of a sudden. PA school, man, it's not all that rocket science either. Go take the test, practice, pass it. Oh, all of a sudden you're a PA attorney, a little bit harder. Uh, I know my daughter's one. So, um, but still for contractors, it's an easy entry and they usually have one of two things they're good at. They're either really good at sales and marketing and they can sell like crazy, or they're really good at doing the work and their word of mouth keeps them going. Right. Unfortunately, and neither of those things make you a business person. Right. Um, you don't it, you you lack the financial acumen. You lack the business experience and understanding insurance and tax law and all these other things that go on with that. Um, you don't know how to read a balance sheet or a profit and loss statement or understand what cash flow is or what it means or what work in progress is, and how to uh, um, really and truthfully achieve being profitable and that thing that you own being valuable. Um, it's a business. Uh, it is not just a sales organization. It's not just a place where you go and build houses or install roofs. Um, it's, it's more than that. And so that was my original goal when I started coaching was to help with that. Uh, there was some things I knew or some things I didn't. There was a couple of areas where I go, nope, I don't coach in those. I don't coach in HR and I don't coach in finance. You wouldn't want me to, uh, but I can coach you on everything else, leadership, culture, accountability, 
uh, process, marketing, sales, uh, recruiting, hiring, training, those type of things. And that's how I started. And I started noticing that there were some gaps missing, the HR and finance. Um, and out of the blue, like in one of those God providential things, this you know, uh, lady calls me and says, hey, I want to come to work for you. I'm like, what? Because I knew her. Um, she happened to be the finance person for one of the biggest and best contractors out there. And she had helped a few other contractors. And she said, I want to do this coaching thing, but I don't want to run the business. I want to be a part of a team. I went, awesome. I need somebody like you. So uh, Jenny came on board. And then shortly after that, Roz came on board. And I had HR and finance covered. And that covered the 12 pieces that I thought were really important. We're helping a, a business be successful. Uh, there's two sides of it, foundational side and operational side. And most people are very focused on operational, marketing, sales, recruiting, hiring, like that kind of stuff, production. But they're very rarely focused on leadership, culture, process, HR, finance, and accountability. When we set proper expectations, um, we tend to do pretty well. Uh, but uh, most people do that from shoot from the hip or verbally and that kind of stuff. They don't document things. And so what somebody hears may not be what they take away from your conversation. Um, and you might say it differently to the next person. So then you start getting this drama and chaos and all these different things that happen in these businesses. So um, when it comes to somebody coming to us, they start with the business thing. They, they see the results of what we've done. Um, I don't know how many companies we've started with that are between one and 3 million and they're over 10 million within two years. Um, 30 million, 35, 65 million. I mean, we've got some pretty su good success stories, but I'm not so concerned about the success of the business. I'm concerned about the success of the individual because that's what we really coach. Um, if you, if you've ever been a coach for you're a tennis coach, right? Um, that's a little bit more of an individual sport where I've always been a little bit more on the team sport side of things. Um, but, and when you have a team, you have to look at the talents, like your offensive lineman is not going to be a quarterback. Your quarterback is not going to be an offensive lineman. And so you're looking at these owners and can they be the quarterback? Can they be that person? I don't know how many that we've worked with is like, once we dig into it and figure it out, they're like, no, nah, I don't really want to be that person. Um, I, right, I want to right person. person. Right person, yeah. right seat is always what they talk about. Yeah. And uh, most of the time the owner goes, I can't be anything but the owner because I'm the owner, right? Well, the reality is I, I've coached several companies where the owner is actually just a sales guy. Goes out and sells all day long. Got a great team of leaders running his business. He meets with them once a week to make because we give him tools to do that with to make sure that everything's on track and he gets to go do what he loves doing. Um, we've had ones that like to do quality control. So they want to go out and watch the jobs and do that kind of stuff. You can do whatever you want to do if you want to position it right. Because doing what you love is more important than making the almighty dollar. And you're put in the position, in the role, whether you're the owner or not, that you are going to be most successful at. And putting someone else in the role that maybe you were doing before as the quote unquote CEO that is much better at it than you are. Oh, I know there's lots of people better at being a CEO than me. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, I'm grooming one right now uh, here at our at our uh, organization because my time of leading this thing is coming to an end. I know that already. Um, there are people that are better at that than I am. I'm finding should, the same thing in my organization as well. They should go do that because they love it. It's their thing. 
I'm really good at coaching, creating educational content, uh, that kind of stuff, writing, uh, enjoy writing. Uh, so those are the things I'm going to do to facilitate the um, success or failure of this business. Well, tell me about some of the things you're doing, Jim. What are some of the things that you're doing uh, content-wise? Let's start with that. And then uh, don't let me forget, we can get into your book and stuff. But content-wise, what's some of the things that you're doing? Well, I'm on a I'm on a mission right now this year. The whole being there on social media and YouTube and all that stuff drives me insane, to be honest with you. I kind of hate it. Um, just for the fact that it seems, for most of it, either not valuable, it's just silliness and goofiness and, you know, somebody's life. It's like you're watching reality TV all the time, which I don't really think brings a lot of value to anybody's um, purpose on on the planet. Or it's very slimy, like trying to get business from it. And so it took me a long time to kind of overcome that thing that I have this responsibility to go out and do something a little bit different. And uh, so I'm on a mission this year. It's called 365 Hard because I did 75 Hard last year, the whole you know health thing. And uh, this year I'm going to do 365 straight days of creating something valuable. Uh, whether that's a graphic, a video, uh, whatever it may be, um, daily for contractors and putting it out there. So, so that's, that's that is the difference maker, right? From taking it from something that feels slimy and feels uh, feels forced into something that actually people can benefit from. We just live in a society now that's very social media heavy, that's very Google searching heavy, like we talked about earlier, YouTubing heavy, where people are looking for the information and it's so accessible everywhere. Number one, as a content creator, you do have to differentiate yourself somehow, one way or the other. But what's more important than that is actually producing valuable content that people could actually use and implement right then and there immediately. Yeah. I mean, you get these folks that get millions of views and millions of followers, but they're not cases. Like it's, just, like they, it's because somebody wants to watch somebody go down a dark path because that's human nature and stuff like that. Just you want to see somebody else doing worse than you. Um, and, and that's kind of frustrating for me. I also think social media um, can be a huge distraction to what you're really after. I see people get lost in watching reels all day long and videos and silliness and and things like that. I'm like, man, we got so much time on this planet. Let's take advantage of it. If you're going to go watch something out there, watch something valuable that's going to help you do what you do and do it better. Um, so I, there's this part of me that's fighting it because I don't want somebody to sit there for four hours watching Jim Johnson reels. But if I do something that's valuable, maybe it's worth it. You should really so, think about going the YouTube route. <laughs> yeah, I, I we've we've got a pretty um, extensive amount of content on YouTube, but we just don't promote it a lot. I think we'll, we'll not start. not for anything. It's 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 one of the reasons why I I went I went down the YouTube route was because I felt that I can get my message across to more people on YouTube, even though everybody and their brothers on Facebook, everybody and their brothers on Instagram, everybody's there. But as you know, it's in my opinion. Um, I guess there's always those cat videos and stuff like that. But in my opinion, Facebook and Instagram and TikTok are there just to keep you entertained while you're in the toilet in the morning or while you're just bored and it just kind of rots your brain, I guess I feel. 
I they have feel- all those notifications on there, man. They're trying to drag you back in because they would need your eyes for the advertising they sell. In my opinion, in my opinion, I feel that YouTube is on that level of like a Google search engine where people will go to YouTube when they want to learn something new or when they're looking for some kind of education on something. YouTube is the place to go now and you've got something to provide that I think people who are going to be looking for something like that will get it not only will we'll be able to get it easier on YouTube, but they may even digest the content much more as opposed to like just a one minute reel or something like that. That just, just, just like literally scrolling through where you make, I think, I don't know what the algorithm now is on YouTube, but when I first started and I was doing all the research, it was literally, if you wanted to be successful on YouTube, you had to have anywhere between an 11 and 20 minute video. Like if it was any less than that, you're not going to be relevant at all. So I would have to actually really think about what am I going to talk about? What am I going to educate? What, what am I going to, to attract my audience so that they are actually, you know, on this thing for longer than just a couple of minutes. So I think my problem is like too long. Like my stuff tends to be 30 minutes to an hour. Like I want to use some depth whenever I, whenever I, which is great. Share something. YouTube is all about that stuff too. Yeah, I think you should really think about the YouTube route, man. That's that's the way well, to go. You know, it's funny. Um, even in YouTube, so I do YouTube. I, I a lot of it actually. I'm I love barbecue. I love uh, you know cooking barbecue and stuff like that. So I do a lot of learning on that. Anything I get that's new, and I want to like the whole podcast thing. I've done done millions of hours of research on trying to figure out how to do that somewhat professionally, and uh, so. I get exactly what you're saying. I want to learn something. I can go learn from there. Problem is I get stuck on something else while I'm there too. Like, <laughs> it's like, Hey, barbecue, barbecue. There's the next barbecue channel. Watch that. Oh dude. Now that guy's cooking this. And now all of a sudden it's about this restaurant and, and I'm over here and I'm looking at four wheel drive pickups. Like what just happened? Right. Um, which is why, because you asked what I was up to, right. Yeah. Um, we have been for the last it was our idea seven years ago. We attempted it seven years ago, but technology just wasn't there. We had the want for it, but uh, when we got enough people in, it just bogged it down. Uh, but as long as short of it is a purpose-driven social network. Uh, it's built for contractors in our industry. It's not built for Contractor Coach Pro. It's built for everybody. It's called Con- Contractor Collective. You can go download it today. So it's actually exists. We're not really promoting it just yet because we're still putting content into it. But um, we want to give people a place where when they go, it's professional. There's no negativity, any of that. You're kicked out immediately. Um, You lift others up. You raise the bar in the industry. And hopefully at some point we achieve what our purpose is, is to get people to believe that we can be professionals. Um, at least HVAC and plumbing. All right. Like let's at least get there. Um, I think perception of most homeowners is that the contractor is somewhere between ditch digger and con man. Wait a minute. You're saying that contractors aren't a bunch of scumbags out there just to get everything no. that they can out of you. I thought I could have sworn that's what the... really good ones out there. No, that's impossible. I would say the vast majority are actually good. It's like anything else. Listen, Jim, I'm a public adjuster. I'm an insurance scam artist. That's what I do for a living. Are you kidding (laughs) me? I hate you guys. No, I'm just kidding. Um, There's good ones and bad ones in everything we do, right? And usually 
And I mentioned it earlier, human nature makes us lean towards the negative. When somebody's doing something bad, we go, hey, I'm better off than they are, but I'm going to watch it. It's like a train wreck, right? You could be driving past the most beautiful sunset on the planet and you just don't even pay attention to it. There's a train wreck, you stop. Everybody stops on the freeway. What happened, right? I hate that. Um, yeah. It's like, why don't you stop and look at the sunset? That's beautiful. Or just um, drive faster past the accident. Yeah, you say, oh, you're slowing me down, man. All you people are rubbernecking. I hate that. It <laughs> drives me crazy. But uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a, a different way of looking at the world. Um, and we try to help our clients with that. Uh, like I said, our purpose is to empower people to believe. Believe in themselves. Believe in us as their guide. And uh, who knows? Conversation comes up. Uh, there's a higher power out there that's got a plan for all of us. And we get into quite a few of those conversations. Um, I would say that's a bit of what attracts some of our clients. It's like, hey, well, I, I can talk about that stuff freely where maybe in our industry that's not always looked upon so great. Although I see it uh, changing a little bit, which has been cool. And you said you like to write. I do. Um, I wrote my first book at the suggestion of the CEO of SalesRabbit. I don't know if you know who SalesRabbit is, but they're a... Uh, field sales app that tracks all your door knocking, canvassing, stuff like that. Um, his name's Zach Kerr. He was at one of our events. We do this event annually. Uh, it's called Mission Control, where we help uh, contractors build out their year-long mission that they're going to achieve and strategy plan, weekly meetings, quarterly uh, things to get accomplished. Like It's a big thing. But we explain this blueprint that we talk about. Uh, the, the six things that are foundational the six things that are um, operational. And he goes, you should write a book about this. I've never seen this before. It's kind of like E-Myth, but it's like deeper and more accurate. You should, you should write a book. I'm like, eh, dude, I'm not an author. I don't write any of that kind of stuff. And I don't know if it's all that unique. Really. He goes, no, it's absolutely unique because the thing that makes it unique is you understand there's an order to it. In other words, recruiting, hiring, and onboarding is the very last thing. You don't want to do that first. You got to get a good training program in place first. And before that, you better be able to produce your work. And before that, you better be able to sell it. And if before that, you better be able to market it. And before that, you better have the technology to track it all. So all these things have, and that was an epiphany through coaching these uh, contractors that, hey, I get it now. If we do this thing in order, our success rate is 95%. It really comes down to them. You do the work, it's going to work. If you don't, it's not. And it's a framework to look at, but custom to each contractor that we work with um, because they have their own beliefs. And the thing is, if I gave everybody Jim Johnson's system that was a you know $30 million contractor system, most people would fail with it. It was the system I believed in. It was the system I built. And whenever you build something, you're going to be a lot more persistent with it and disciplined to it. So we help walk them through getting all those ideas they have on paper, ready to go, process and oriented. That's cool. So you have you have the list of steps, you have the framework to do it, but then you also are able to teach it in a way where people are sort of like filling it out in their own way. Just like this is, okay, I gotcha. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. And we facilitate their own belief systems and help them avoid the bad mistakes that we made throughout our time uh, that we've seen people like, Hey, I really want to do it this way. I'm like, well, hold on a second. Um, I understand that you 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 think that that's a good way to do it. Here's some of the other options. Which one seems to fit you best? And they go, oh, I see where the, I see why I don't want to pay people that way now. Now I see, like, because everybody kind of just copies the guy before them. 
has been one of the things I'm like, why in the world do we pay people the way we do in this industry? It just doesn't make sense. And, uh, cause I have a, I have a life before contracting. Uh, I was in the health club world and, uh, it's a bit of a different world. Uh, it's very sales oriented. Um, you, you have expectations, quotas and things like that. It's not just go sell as much as you can, or if you just sell one, that's okay too. It's, it doesn't work like that. And it's weird that this industry tends to. What's the name of your book? The name of the book is Contractor's Blueprint. It's, uh, I would call it book one of two. I, I wrote the one on foundation because I thought that was the one that was most, I went with the intention to write the whole thing. Um, I figured, I. it's funny, I'm, a, I'm what I call a sprinter. I got to be really uber focused on the thing that I'm working on. So all the distractions of the job and work and social media and blah, 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 right? I uh, literally put a rooftop tent on the top of my truck, no electricity, no running water, solar power, and uh, whatever water and food I could carry with me. Two weeks on a mountain in New Mexico. I literally saw two people in two weeks. That's how far off the grid I was. To write the book? Yep. Sat down and uh, from eight in the morning to eight at night, every day for two weeks, I wrote the book thinking, hey, I can write this whole thing in those two weeks. Well, the average book I started like before I went, I went average book that is successful is somewhere between 40 and 70,000 words. I've researched that. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I, I got to, you know, like the end of the first six and I went, I went word count. Holy cow, 62,000 words. Like, wow. I can't bigger, right? Like I can't, but I wanted to be clear. I wanted to give detail. I wanted to give instruction. I wanted to give practical things that you could do um, to achieve your ultimate goals as a contractor. So um, came back. Uh, we got that book out. It, it made bestseller on Amazon, which was super cool. Um, it's not that hard to be honest with you. To be honest. <laughs> don't, you didn't have, you didn't have to say that. That's bestseller. No, like, I, I hate that whole thing. Like uh, you see these people, I'm a Amazon bestseller. Big deal, man. You know, 50 people that were willing to like <laughs> hop on board and buy your book in one, one day. Um, <laughs> it, it's such a, it's such a false sense of what reality is. And I like to be pretty transparent, but kind of cool. We've sold uh, more books than I thought we would. I thought if I sold a hundred, it'd be cool. I think we're a little over 3000 now. It's awesome. And, and no marketing. Like we haven't marketed it just whenever we're talking to people or something like this, talk about it and a few books get sold. Um, that'll change. We're, we're, we're lining a few things up. We've got a strategy of what we're doing, but that had to get done. I got to get the second book done. looks like I'm probably going to do that in June of this year. Going same strategy. Same strategy, different location. Okay. Um, I'm going to go a little bit of a different location, but somewhere where cell phones don't work. Uh, no distractions. Probably somewhere. Mars. In, yeah. It'll probably <laughs> be in Wyoming somewhere. Um, I, I, I enjoy that state quite a bit. So that leads me to my next question, I guess. What's, uh, what's next for Jim Johnson and Contractor Coach Pro? Um, so we could get this thing wrapped up. <clears throat> where are you? What, what, what are we looking at? What, what, where is contractor coach pro and Jim Johnson, uh, in the next three years? Hmm. Some of that I can tell you on some of it. I can't, uh, <laughs> well, so just what you can, um, in the next three years, I, we want to significantly scale what we're doing, which isn't easy. Um, first off, it's pretty custom what we do. Uh, so, uh, it's hard to scale that by building more coaches. 
I've been really lucky so far. I, I thank God every day that I've never ran an ad to hire anybody. We now have 15 people on staff. Uh, five of them support the other 10, a coach of some shape, form, or fashion. And all of them have come to us and said, hey, I like what you're doing. I want to be a part of it. I think that's pretty cool. Um, but there's a million contractors out there, at least. Uh, so we will be going beyond just roofing. Uh, we'll be at the Painting Contractors Association here in three weeks. Um, so moving into other contracting veins. And uh, we want to get in their offices. I won't exactly explain how we're going to do that, but uh, we got some stuff behind the scenes. We got to build structure, planning, and all that. Another year of doing that pretty hot and heavy. And then uh, I think my team takes over and uh, I go out and create content and write books. So I like it. That's the game plan. We want to flip the script from 70 to 80% of contractors going out of business to 70 to 80% of contractors staying in business in the first three years. I like it. That's a good mission. Yeah. Um, We're on a mission to help a million contractors uh, just here in the U S we'll, we'll get international after that. That's fantastic. Well, Jim, I wish you nothing but the best. This was a very, very uh, uh, enjoyable conversation for me. I want to thank you so much, and I appreciate you coming on and taking the time to to share some uh, some extremely valuable knowledge and some extremely wise words, uh, my friend, to our audience. I think they're going to be greatly appreciative of everything you just said. Vince, honored, man. Seriously. Good show. Well done. I get to be on a lot of these. And so, uh, yeah, good job, man. All right, Jim. We'll see each other around. 